It is Saturday, the 4th of July, 2020. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 90 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. So, episode 90 of the podcast, just the second time of my life I've got into the 90s. You either get that reference or you won't. So apologies, I didn't do an episode last week. Um, my parents were up from Dunedin and I just didn't get any time on the Saturday. I, I do have to admit that the future of this podcast is in a state of flux at the moment. I'm just finding that other aspects of my life are taking up too much time and I'm, I'm literally finding a struggle to fit it all in. So this might change, but there's a reasonable chance that the podcast may go into a hiatus point period at some point. Um, kind of like a professional wrestler does. <laughs> Just before I wrote this down, I, I was on the I was on the fa- on the Wikipedia page of the Undertaker. And if you search any famous professional wrestler and 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 control F the word hiatus into its Wikipedia page, and you'll get multiple hits. I think it was eight times for the Undertaker. Um, <laughs> that's the sort of thing you learn if you spend too much time on Wikipedia. By the way, so here I am saying I don't have time to do the podcast, but I'm on the Undertaker's. Wikipedia page. Uh, anyway, I've been, I've been super busy and, and struggling to fit it all in, but we'll, we'll, that situation will develop as, as time goes by. So let's move on to more important things. My phone lit up during the week with all these Facebook notifications about Pacific Edge. So they trade on the NZX under the ticker code PEB. Now, I have to admit, I'm not the best person to talk about the company. I, I don't really know too much about it. Obviously, I've I've heard of them. I've seen their name. I've seen their ticker code. I've read the old news report and everything like that. But it's it's never a company I spent too much time on. The, the quick about us blurb on their website says Pacific Edge is a cancer diagnostics company. We specialize in discovering, building, and commercializing innovative cancer diagnostic tests that can contribute to a clinically meaningful difference in the detection and management of cancer. So, a nice little company mission there. It's the sort of company that I, I do just sort of stick past. As Warren Buffett cliche says, it's outside of my circle of competence, and it literally is. I don't know anything about that sort of thing. But saying that, maybe I shouldn't have skipped past it because the stock was up 103% on Friday, which is not a bad day's work. So, first thing I'll say here is, as an investor, this sort of thing is actually happening all of the time. You know, every day, somewhere in the world, a stock will do this. It, it, especially in, in that sort of space. Um, the important thing is that you can't kick yourself for missing out on it. I mean, I'm not sitting here going, damn, I wish I bought Pacific Edge on Thursday, as I know a lot of people probably are. I mean, it, it's an important thing as an investor to remain emotionally neutral on this, or otherwise you spend all, all your time kicking yourself. I mean, what right do I have to make money off Pacific Edge, really? I've never looked at the stock and I don't know, not, do not know anything about them. I mean, in the business world, there's going to be opportunities every day that I'm missing, so you can't get too upset about it. There's no point getting antsy about it. And I'll put this in air quotes, you don't, you don't want to get antsy about missing out. Um, there, there are times where I do get annoyed though I guess you could say and, and that is something that I, I do understand in the research and not pull the trigger on and that does happen from time to time and it's important to acknowledge it when it does happen um, but even then there's no point beating yourself up about it there really isn't I'll give you an example I remember there was a company in the UK that I owned it was Catlin Insurance it was way back you know 2012 sort of time I can't remember exactly when actually and the company was taken over by an American company 
and I, I it, it was sort of like Pacific Edge. It was one. It was one of my biggest one day gains where the stock just jumped forty percent or whatever it did. Not not like as much as Pacific Edge, but it was a bit, it was a massive one day gain. And there was a I guess a comparable company in in London that had from memory it was it was, it was at least comparable by industry, but it was um, comparable from what they did as well from memory called Amlin Reinsurance from memory and. I should have taken my Catlin winning, so to speak, and invested in Amlin because soon after, for a similar reason, they got bought out as well. And I, I just didn't do it. And I remember looking back and sort of kicking myself for it. And I think that was a legitimate reason to to be a little bit annoyed because it was something I had the ability to do. Whereas with Pacific Edge, I can't really kick myself for that because it's, you know, it's, it's just not really my game, if that makes sense. But back to that. Um, by by the stock price move and reading the quick description of what they do, I've already come up with a pretty quick conclusion about what's happened. But before you get to that, we'll just take a quick look at the financial statements, which were released just the other week, to get an idea of what type of company they are and what stage they're at. So Direct Broken are telling me that they have a market capitalization of around $379 million. It's always worth checking market capitalizations, but in this instance... By that, I mean taking the share price and checking the number of shares outstanding because often in, in data services, they are wrong for various reasons. Um, but in this case, we'll take it at face value. So they around doubled that day. So that means the market cap before that was around $190 million. And looking at the stock chart, they also made a big move in the middle of June, which sort of coincides with some other news, which we'll get to. But just to give a quick snapshot of the financial situation of the company, um, for year ended March 31st, 2020, the company did $4.3 million in operations in revenue compared to 3.8 million the year before. So just from that, straight away you can tell that they're a company that's still developing their business. The market obviously feels that they're onto something, however, just judging by the valuation because unless you're going to make a, a lot of cash in the future, there's no way you should spend 379 million on something that's only forever going to produce $4 million in revenue. So the market is expecting a, a, a lot from the company. Um, the company reported an operating loss of $18.8 million, and that compared to an operating loss of $17.9 million the year before. So that tells you a lot. That suggests to me that they're in a development stage of their business or the research and development stage of their business, you could say. So for me, right, this is a company that's so far out of my wheelhouse, so I wouldn't even bother here. I would just look at, I would just, I would just move on. But that's just me. I, I have no real skill in figuring out if an early stage cancer diagnostic company is, is going to strike gold, so to speak, although it, maybe it seems that Pacific Edge has, but we'll get to that. Um, that doesn't mean it's not a good investment. It was obviously an amazing one on Thursday, um, but it just wouldn't have been for me. You know, That's just my personal thing. I mean, if you were a doctor or involved in oncology or, or whatever it might be, then you may know a lot, a lot more than what I would, and I, there's no point in me jumping in and, and betting alongside you guys because you've got a clear advantage. Um, anyway, let's take a quick look at the balance sheet. They've got current assets, um, mostly mostly in cash of around $17 million and no real non-current asset assets. So again, that tells you that most of the value is in the intangible assets. Um, so it is the assessment of the intangible assets which is going to be the important thing with this company. Um, and obviously there's been some intangible news over the last couple of days. So there are no material liabilities really. Um, so if you're looking at the company, you need to consider how quickly they're burning through the current assets through the operating business um, and then assess when they need to raise capital again. So at a $379 million valuation, you know you could argue that they might be well served to do it now and they may just because um, it wouldn't result in too much dilution for what they get in dollars. Um, so just looking at this, they have 
165 million in share capitals. So that is money that shareholders have put into the company over time, um, and 156 million of accumulated losses. So, you know, it doesn't leave much in the way of equity considering how much money's been put into the company. So they've basically used a lot of cash in getting where they are now. Um, so if, if you are someone that has contributed cash along the way, then the question you need to ask yourself is, is today's announcement going to make more than your money back because it sort of needs to you for you to get a, get a return or maybe you don't care as now you're able to sell out at a $379 million valuation, which you know you may be thinking of doing. Um, so the market is expecting big things from the company to value it at $379 million for someone that's got $155 million in accumulated losses. So that's one thing. And, you know, that if you've spent... 156 million over time developing this really fantastic product that's going to, I'm just talking the other side of the coin here, that's going to generate you $2 billion of profit in the future, then there's obviously a price to pay for that. So it's obviously worth something. So just to, just because you've spent $165 million in the past with no real revenue doesn't mean that the revenue is not going to come in the future and it's the future that counts. So that that's that's what you need to assess here. Um, taking a look at the announcements, in these sorts of companies, these sorts of price moves are actually reasonably common. It's just not so much in New Zealand because we don't have truckloads of the companies. You've got a large biotech sector like in the United States, for example, or, or pharmaceutical sector, then you always see these sorts of small companies making these sorts of moves one way or another. Because um, what you've got is is these companies are essentially funded, that $165 million is to do research and development. And then they get a, break, a breakthrough that gets approval and then... The stockholders are rewarded in one or two ways. Either a bigger company comes along and buys them. Um, that happens all the time. Like Johnson and Johnson will will come along and buy them out for at a premium, just just so they can have that technology in, in one way or another. Or they start producing and selling a product that they have been designing, either by themselves or through a partnership. It's sort of quite similar to I don't know the way. A tech company might do things, for example. Um, not to use a New Zealand example, because of, but say with Apple, um, Apple may spend. Well, Apple's not a good example because they're extremely profitable. But say a, a startup tech company that's developing a, a new video game or, or something like that, they may spend say $100 million developing this new impressive game and then they're hoping that the revenue is going to come later on from it and either will or it won't. Um, the difference here is that in a lot of these sorts of companies there needs to be some sort of approval before they start generating revenue. So let's take a look. Starting with the announcement on the 17th of June, that caused the first pop in the shares and oh, I can't say the name of the company so I'll just say, I'll just call them Kaiser, but it's Kaiser approves commercial use of CX Bladder. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly either. Sorry, guys. Um, the Pacific Edge and Kaiser have reached an agreement for the commercial use of Pacific Edge's CX Bladder tests. So then, fast forward to yesterday, the title read, Pacific Edge notified of positive LCD decision in the in the United States. I mean, I, I don't know, really know what I'm talking about here, as you can probably tell, but you can just imagine the, the champagne corks cook, popping around the Pacific Edge's offices. It would just be a... It would just be one of those good days at work, you know? You know, every now and then you just have those days that it just all seems worth it. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be one of those in the Pacific Edge office at the moment. They probably had a great Friday night. They probably all went out to a expensive restaurant and you know it, was, it would have been it would have been awesome you can just imagine it anyway 
It would have been like the Christmas party in the middle of winter. <laughs> New Zealand, I'm reading the title here, New Zealand Bladder Cancer Diagnostics Provider Pacific Edge Limited has been notified by Novitas, no, Novitas, I don't know, I'm not saying that right, I know they're a large um, pharmaceutical company, that the LCD biomarkers for oncology, you can see why I don't understand what I'm talking about here, biomarkers for oncology brackets L35396 provides coverage for CX Bladder CPT codes 0012M bracket CX bladder detect and 0013M bracket CX bladder monitor for tests performed after the 1st of July 2020 that are medically necessary. And I'm like, um, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> but what is interesting though is it looks like that they're going to get a reimbursement of some tests that they have done in the United States. So that's quite interesting. And it looks like it's on or after the 1st of July 2020, so it could be ongoing. Um, so they'll receive money there, which is which is great. Um, obviously, do not have enough to go on, but basically what you're wanting to do as a shareholder is, is this to turn into revenue or this to turn into something that, that is, means someone's going to come and buy them at a, at a good price. Either way, it, it certainly is exciting to have an NZX company double in a single trading session because, as I said, because we don't have many of these types of companies, it doesn't happen that often. So Kathmandu provided an update during the week. They said that strong sales recovery but uncertainty remains over economic outlook and potential second wave of COVID-19. I would certainly agree that there's uncertainty over the economic output. I guess there's not not really going to be a second wave of COVID-19 in New Zealand unless they open the borders or a massive mistake happens. I mean, it certainly looks like it could happen in Australia, but unlikely in New Zealand you would have to say unless they open the borders it seems like as soon as they open the borders it's gonna flood in here um, anyway moving on from that so return to positive same-store sales growth as retail stores have reopened continued consumer shift to online that's an interesting thing we've seen that with lots of retailers in New Zealand and worldwide whereas people still need to buy stuff in that and they're now doing it online so there's been this huge surge in online sales it'd be interesting to see how permanent that is, I mean, certainly in our pizza business, for example, I know we're only tiny, teeny tiny, but say from like May to, we had a huge increase in online sales in May, but that that, that dropped off quite significantly in June. So that's, uh, that's an interesting one as people sort of returned a bit more to normal. So I'll, I'll be watching just out of curiosity to see what happens with online sales. I suspect they'll be higher than what they have in the past, but not as high as what they were during the COVID period, if that makes sense. So strong balance sheet and liquidity position. It's like, well, you know, they said they had a strong balance sheet and liquidity position when they before this even happened. So, you know take that with a grain of salt. Um, remain cautious cautious about medium-term demand given economic climate makes sense. Um, so total sales for the 10 months ending 31st of May 2020 were 15.1% below the comparable period last financial year, which doesn't seem too bad. And, and they did say that generally exceeded management expectations. You can imagine the Kathmandu Zoom meetings during this time would have been the opposite of the Pacific Edge meeting I spoke about the other just before. Um, so basically, all, all the stores have opened the majority, with the notable exceptions being airports. I mean, I drove my parents out towards the airport, Auckland Airport, um, Sunday, and it was like you're driving at, at three in the morning. There was just no traffic on the road. So the airport retail spaces will be ghost towns at the moment, I imagine. Um, same store sales for the full six weeks from 18th of May to 28th of June 
um, adjusted for stores, store closed. So, you know, there's a few adjustments there. Um, Ripkill, same store sales up 21% compared to last year. Um, retail stores up 5.1% and online up 151%. percent be interesting to see those numbers, like I said, in a few weeks' time, and um, the next six-week period, what happens there. Online contributed to 22.6% of direct-to-consumer same-store sales. Kathmandu, same-store sales up 12.5%, reflecting retail same-stores up 2.2% and online up 78%, and online contributed 21.4% of direct-to-consumer same-store sales. So I'd be just so curious to see what those online numbers would be. They said the wholesale side of Ripkill has been massively impacted. Um, balance sheet, successful $207 million equity raising to strengthen its balance sheet and liquidity position. You could say to save the company from going insolvent, but that's an opinion, not a fact. Um, they said EBITDA is expected to be $70 million. Um, Kathmandu gross margin is expected to be at the lower end of sixty-one of the 61 to 63% target range. Um, and they're saying that there's significant downside risk over future economic conditions. So that's the, I guess, the the one to watch out here for retail and Kathmandu is they've had this pent-up demand, um, they've had this wage subsidy, they've had all that, and then it's what next? And I guess that's what everyone is asking at the moment. And only time will tell, really. Um, everyone's sort of expecting Jacinda Ardern to tell us what's next, but... In, in many ways, it's going to play out how it plays out. So it'll be really interesting to see. Right, that's about all we have time for today. Sorry about not having a podcast last week and sorry about the shorter one this week. As, as I said, I'll keep you updated on the future of the podcast, but something tells me I want to get through episode 100 at least. Um, as a reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give us a like on Facebook. Share it also with your friends and email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Midland and this has been episode 90 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Saturday, the 4th of July, 2020. We'll see you all again next week.